to the Make It Playable podcast, a D&D based podcast where we build playable versions of your favorite superheroes, comic book personalities, and other character ideas. We use standard rules and procedures provided on D&D Beyond, sprinkled with a little unearthed arcana for mild flavoring. Join me, Ted Wrights, and my friends Kelly Coster and Tony Coster as we bring your favorite characters to the local gaming table. Welcome to the Make It Playable podcast, where we build Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition characters from film personalities, comics, books, TV shows, and today we're going to be building the Disney Princess Belle. So we're joined here with my wife, Christina. Hello. How are you doing today, Christina? I'm good. I was watching... Beauty and the Beast earlier today, try to brush up on some knowledge and, you know, just have it fresh in the brain to be able to discuss tonight. Yeah. I, while you were watching them, I actually got a lot of the songs stuck in my head, so I still have. From the uh, Disney cartoon version or the live action? Because some of the songs are uh, slightly different. Some yeah, different songs in the live action. Kind of both. What's your favorite? Well, the one that's stuck in my head now is Kill the Beast. So mm, yeah. I wouldn't say that that's my favorite, but what's the what's the first? I think it's the first song where Belle is kind of walking around town. Um, and she has it, it goes like uh, she has a nose in a book. And what, what's the melody? Why don't you sing it a little bit? Uh... I will take a hard pass at that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a good singer. I think Teddy's looking it up right now. No? Maybe. Maybe. I'm not good Do with you know the names the, of songs, oh, okay. but I have it in my head now, and I also don't sing the, oh, look, there she goes. Yeah. Yeah. Book like always. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Um, I have Evermore from um, the the one that the bee sings. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. Mm -hmm. That is a good song. So, to get us started, what is your experience with Dungeons & Dragons? I know you were on our last podcast and you talked a little bit about that, but why don't you let us know? Yeah, for people listening to this one who haven't listened to the last one, you should listen I mean, in all the other ones, because you guys put a lot of thought and effort into what you're doing. You really care and are passionate about it. But the last one is Thank you. just mixing it up with um, my friend from, and we go back, I think we've been friends since sixth grade. Um, Lauren was talking about Ariel. Um, yeah. So, yeah, on that podcast, I mentioned that I have only played Dungeons and Dragons a few times. Um, and I've only played with you in a couple of campaigns with some of our friends and I have only played with characters that you have made because um, usually the process of making characters or playing the game is very complicated for me Um, so kind of getting a little bit head here but the idea of this style of podcast of kind of interview type is I think more welcoming for people who haven't played and you can see Mm -hmm. how 
easy it could be to make a character if you have an idea in your mind of what you want the character to be like. Yeah. So I, yeah, to answer that question in a long roundabout way, mm. I've maybe played uh, between five to ten times, and I have said uh, when we've played uh, with that campaign with our friends, what did we play? Maybe like. I, it was a handful of times. Anyway, yeah. I said, these are the characteristics I want. I mm -hmm. either want to be a cat or I want to have a cat. And yeah. then, you know, you kind of ask me questions about, well, do you want this or this? Uh, so this is kind of similar, but a little bit more targeted and making it try to be as much like an already uh, created character. Yeah. So I think the idea of making this character and maybe playing as Belle in the future is fun. Yeah. Well, we'd be excited to have you play uh, Belle in a one a one shot maybe in the future. Yeah, I think we need a Disney princess one shot after yeah, this. Yeah, that'd be super fun. We've already got a couple Twitter followers that want to play as well. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. So if anyone's following and you're listening to this, then you should just say, like, this is a character I want to play, except I claim Belle. <laughs> yeah, and Lauren already claimed Ariel. Oh, yeah, for sure. She was yeah. super excited about it. So, yeah. If you, yeah, seriously, if you guys haven't listened to it, and especially if you haven't crea created characters, yeah. you can hear her progression over the course of the podcast how she was kind of nervous and then she realized in the end like oh yeah this is fun like i could totally see myself mm -hmm. playing as this character yeah and that's kind of the goal of uh you know this podcast in uh in particular is like we i, I want to make playing dungeons and dragons and creating characters as easy as possible and just be that that guide for new players and old players alike of you know you have an idea and just kind of work your way through it um and uh like try to take those characteristics and turn them into something that is within the the fifth edition rules so are you open to taking requests for people if they're like oh i love that format and you have a good way of building a character with someone would you be open to taking a request or maybe even if they're just like hey the next podcast you should discuss fill in the blank oh yeah absolutely yeah, and, and this is really fun for me. It's it's fun to sit down with somebody and just talk about a, a character idea and work through that stuff. I'm I'm the nerdy uh, rule oh, yeah. follower. Yep. Um, so I I try to understand as many of the rules as possible. And when someone else so comes in, you don't in, have to. Yeah. So somebody <laughs> else doesn't have to. Like you know that's and and I I do the the dungeon master stuff. Uh, quite a bit and so understanding the rules are important but it, it's also like trying to just be that guide on the journey that we're we're taking and not having each player get so wrapped up into the mechanics of something um to not have it be enjoyable so that's what stresses me out so it's yeah. good that you're there to help so thank you yeah well thanks for being on tonight for the support and we really um, appreciate it yeah, definitely appreciate it. Uh, so what we're going to go ahead and do... We're going to introduce Teddy. I, I need no introduction. I'm <laughs> yes. Teddy is uh, also here. I'm Ted. <laughs> I try to be behind the scenes as much as possible. But tonight's sacrifices must be made. So I will give my input on Belle as much as I am qualified to. What do you think about her dress and her hair? I like her dress. I think she's a book person. But... Mm -hmm. 
She's a bit heady, isn't she? A little bit. <laughs> you make that sound like a bad thing. That sounded it's like no, 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 no. sexist. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's a bit heady. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's got her own I opinions. I didn't mean it in a bad way. I just meant that... What I haven't done that I'm I'm interested to look at is I don't know if you have yet, Tony, but I haven't done much of the Grimm's backs or like the her other backstory, like the darker stuff. I was that was really cool. You had I, I did a little bit, but that's I more than I've done. I didn't get to look too much into it today. That was my goal, but um, we things happen. Yeah, I mean you can cut this out, but we um, <laughs> we've been more interested in pursuing looking at houses, so we kind of got. Uh, well, and like, it seems like we actually, purchasing houses, we were like like looking at houses. So. Yeah. You know, life stuff. Yeah, yeah. life stuff, <laughs> looking at houses, taking care of kids. Right. No, that, that's that's awesome. I think what was really cool last week was when Lauren got going on the other backstories. I had. I did a little bit. Like, uh-huh. I started to read. There's. Yeah, so some of the things that I was looking at was like, oh, well, uh, what does uh, Belle not having a mom in the picture have to do with shaping the choices that she made and like she was just raised by her dad and that was a theme in like all of the disney princesses up until um i think maybe aladdin and princess jasmine no you don't even know her her mom yeah you don't know her mom either so you don't you don't see ariel's mom she was just raised by her dad and uh i think aurora too like most of the disney princesses Uh, aurora did have two parents she had like maleficent in the newer movies but yeah. it, it was a theme it was like a recurring theme so it was kind of different seeing the take on um the live action in that you get to see a little bit of the backstory yeah of what happened of why her mom isn't in the picture but the other thing that i saw was an interpretation uh, which is what i wanted to look into further I, I didn't get the chance but i think somewhere in there there was um, a story where the enchantress was actually Belle's mother, who was kind of behind the scenes, and she was like hmm. sort of playing matchmaker by putting that curse on the Belle, or excuse me, putting putting that curse on the Beast to get him and Belle together, which I thought huh. was interesting. But again, I didn't get to research it too much further. I just thought it was yeah, that is different. I know I you sent me an article that I read. I didn't read the that one that you had mentioned, but that's really that's really interesting. Like her mother playing the matchmaker, if her much mother's an enchantress, and she goes to see Beast as in under the guise of an old lady and trying to really see what the Beast's heart is. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know if it was with the intention of being a matchmaker, but that's kind of what it ended up being but just the fact even if that wasn't the intention just the fact that like oh the mom maybe actually was in the picture and we didn't know that she was the enchantress Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting yeah yeah well why don't we get some characteristics that we need to match for uh for this character build um some things that are really important to uh, to Belle as a person, uh, kind of her personality and um, her traits and flaws and ideals, um, really some parts of the story that are important to uh, to Princess Belle. 
Um, so I think the first thing that drew me to Belle, actually there were a few. Um, like as a little girl, things that I liked about Belle was I have brown hair. I like that she had brown hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, obviously her physical characteristics, um, which don't matter as much in Dungeons Dragons, I don't think. You correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you know, because it's more fairy tale and you can change what yeah, she looks like. But the reason why I liked her, that was one reason. Um, but I also liked that she kind of just um, marched to the beat of her own drum. She was like her own person. She totally knew what she was about and wasn't scared to be herself, despite other people thinking that she was quirky or silly or different. And um, she embraced that. I also really liked that. Um, you know, most most people would know that she is a book lover. And um, I really identified with that of um, seeking knowledge over seeking uh, maybe the acceptance of others or as other princesses in the past have seemed to come across as like, I need a man to fulfill me. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I was about, even though, you know, have you <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're married but um i think just the seeking intelligence and not like seeking satisfaction in other people yeah and being okay with being your own person despite what other people think yeah that's an interesting um shift that disney itself did between um between the pre- previous princesses and bell yeah, it's it, a stark contrast. Yeah, I because think. all princesses before they all had something to do with. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find my prince and we're gonna live happily ever after. Um, yeah. But that's kind of like uh, all the previous princesses were very um, kind of seekers of of love in itself. Um, right, even though they they might not have been. I mean, I shouldn't get down on all of them. They might not have been like, I need a man to fulfill me, but it definitely was a little bit more of that than Belle. Um, And I like that uh, Lauren pointed out with Ariel, it wasn't that she was like seeking the man. She just, you know, happened to find him. And I kind of feel like that might be true with like Snow White too. Yeah. But still, like it was, oh, I found a man and he's beautiful and I fell in love with him. And it was like, that day that they fell in love and it was really superficial and I wasn't about that. Whereas, um, Belle was also kind of guarded with her feelings and always very independent. And I Mm -hmm. think I'm like that too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this one's a little bit interesting with, uh, the way that we do things on this series is that, uh, squishy hasn't really released anything, um, about princess Belle. Um, as of yet, but um, I there there might be some indications of what she would do for Princess Belle, but I think we won't assume what that's going to be until she actually releases it. So I this is kind of on her own. And I think it'd be cool to like have a comeback episode to that, like if she does release it. Okay, cool. How do we compare those two? Or yeah, what and even maybe talk to Squishy about what um inspired some of the artwork she would use but yeah because i'm curious of what she might add into those most definitely um 
So I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and start with our initial class and see how that works and then kind of work our way through the rest of the build. Um, so I've kind of chosen a couple things that I think work pretty well with Princess Belle. Um, and you've mentioned, uh, number one, how uh, independent Belle has been and how knowledge is really important to her uh, and kind of just, I feel like books are also really important to the uh, Princess Belle build. So there's kind of two classes that really rely on um, their intelligence as a uh, as an important factor when they are casting spells or doing important skills. Um, that so it really relies on them being more intelligent and knowledgeable. Uh, those two classes I would really pick for Bell would be a wizard or an artificer. Um, so a wizard is definitely more of the book knowledge. Um, you have, you have to read books, record your spells down into a tome um, and cast all of your spells in Dungeons and Dragons through this tome that you've recorded all of your spells onto. Mm -hmm. um, the artificer is uh, also utilizes a lot of um, uh, their intelligence-based uh, spell casting, but what they're more about is kind of the magical tinkering. Um, so it's really more about creating these small or medium-sized objects uh, that will help them um, focus their skills of casting spells. Um, so an art artificer might, you know, specialize in something like alchemy, or they might specialize in building a, uh, a tool, a weapon um, that looks like kind of like a, a cannon, um, or they might specialize in building like a little uh, mechanical pet. Um, that kind of sounds like Belle's dad. You know, he yeah. was like a tinkerer, mm -hmm. but she was there to help him. And I don't think it was so much that she was interested in being the tinkerer, more of like her love for family and supporting her dad. So I think the wizard might be a better choice Okay. for her. Yeah, I, I think I would definitely have to agree with that. I think her her dad was very much a tinker, and she probably learned a lot of skills from her dad. Just, right. just from helping him in the workshop. So, do you, did you propose that as like she she could do that because she has learned those skills, like she'd be capable of doing it, or more of that's definitely her personality? Because I see it from her personality is more so for one than the other. But if it's like a skill. Are we going to get to... You could definitely skills? give her like a tinker. Like she could yeah. be trained with a tinker's kit for sure. Yes. Which would make a lot of sense because yeah. I remember... wasn't yeah, Didn't she I like hand her father like a tool or something like yeah, here and there? Like, like she understood a lot of the concepts knew. of mm -hmm. it, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So there's definitely a lot of tool proficiencies within Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think that would be the route I would go. Like yeah. just cool. make her proficient in things rather than just being that's like her identity first and foremost. Like yeah, I, I think a wizard makes a really good choice for uh, for Princess Belle. When you say that, I think of when she put on the robe when she like went to the castle, right? Where she put like the hood on and everything else. Uh-huh. Like that would be like her staple. She does carry around that that robe, right, with the hood. Mm-hmm. That's something yeah. she wears a lot. So. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go ahead and start with start our class with wizard, and then we'll kind of get into the rest of the build, the rest of the class build. A little bit later um but what we'll do now is kind of focus on the the race or the the species of of creature that uh bell could possibly be um for me this one was a little bit more difficult to uh to narrow down um But I think that there is there's a couple choices that we could choose here. Um, one of them that uses utilizes uh, a lot of their magical abilities, their intellect. Uh, we could choose something like uh, like an elf. Um, they are longer living. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they tend to see w- the world in a different perspective. Um, but they're, but a lot of the, a lot of elves are kind of have this need to gain more knowledge, especially since they are so long lived. Um, they have a lot to do with history within Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so that's one option. Uh, the other option along with the elf might be, um, a half elf. Um, where uh, it's half human, half elf. So either um, like maybe Belle's dad was a human and Belle's mom was an elf. Um, and Which kind of makes sense for the the backstory. I was saying that if she was the enchantress, yeah. but that's not really as common. So I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, it could work if that's the story that you would like to tell with uh, Princess Belle. Okay. The other two options, I think, is just probably uh, a human, a variant human, um, just because she's kind of of the world. She lives in that smaller village. Uh, Her dad's a a merchant. Um, He goes around trying to sell goods and collect goods. So uh, I think that that makes sense, especially being a human. Um, The other option, I think, might be a little bit... um, interesting might be a gnome i was gonna i was gonna say that why a gnome um so gnomes um they kind of have this innate ability uh and innate need of tinkering um and so what uh let me just go ahead don't and read. don't they get some of them one of them get that feat yeah tinker's some of them tool? do get uh already have a tool proficiency with tinker's tools and then they they actually during a long rest i think they're able to uh make like a little device yeah 
that and then the, they get like a bonus to their intelligence which is a, a good mm-hmm. thing for wizards yes um so your your research if like bell likes looking through her books so her um investigation and history would be higher with a gnome and yeah. i just think they fit her type of curiosity of being in the library and looking yeah. for information mm-hmm. their yeah. their care like that characteristic part would really would, would come into play a little more. Yeah, so I'm going to read out of the player's handbook uh, just to give you an idea of I will what... now recite the ancient text before <laughs> you. <laughs> Let me read the runes. Okay. As I uh, slide my head down <laughs> the runes. Uh, so within the player's handbook, it says that uh, the gnomes have a delighted deli- uh, dedication. As far as gnomes are concerned, being alive is a wonderful thing, and they squeeze every ounce of enjoyment out of their three or five centuries of life. Humans might wonder about getting bored over the course of such a long life, and elves have plenty of time to savor the beauties of the world and their long years. But gnomes seem to worry that even with all that time, they can't get in enough of the things that they want to do and see. Gnomes speak as if they can't get the thoughts out of their heads fast enough, even as they offer ideas and opinions on a range of subjects. They still manage to listen carefully to others, adding the appropriate exclamations of surprise and appreciation along the way. Though gnomes love jokes of all kinds, particularly puns and pranks, they're just as dedicated to the more serious tasks they undertake. Many gnomes are skilled engineers, alchemists, tinkers, and inventors. They're willing to make mistakes and laugh at, um, at themselves in the process of perfecting what they do, taking bold, sometimes foolhardy risks and dreaming large. I think that last line, too, dreaming large, like she kind of always had a dream, um, like that line that you said was stuck in your head, like the... Um, great unknown out there somewhere, something, something mm-hmm. like that. Like she's always dreaming large of other things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that a gnome makes a good yeah. decision? I think it sounds like the best of the ones you propose, like most okay. fitting. Okay. Perfect. Well, I think I think gnome makes a good a good choice. And Especially then because you said like human, you know, she's living in this village, but she's always. She was dreaming of more. So it's like, yeah, she could be human, but yeah. it doesn't quite fit her because she isn't like the rest of everyone else that she's around. Yeah. And she and gnomes kind of, they they do keep within their, their own villages as well, mm-hmm. um, within the Forgotten Realms mythos. And so she might just be one of those gnomes who wants to uh have learn more things go out on an adventure rather than staying in her burrow wherever she may be um so yeah i think that's probably a good one uh there are um there are three races of gnomes that we can choose from Uh, one of them is a is called a deep gnome and those gnomes are uh, are from the Underdark. Uh, and the Underdark is this place where uh, 
or it's kind of under the surface world where a lot of um, dark elves, drow live, um, as well as other creatures that don't really rely on a lot of uh, sunlight. Um, so uh, a, a dark gnome it can really just be known for being under the surface world and not going out and necessarily adventuring within... That doesn't sound like her. Okay. Uh, the other type of gnome is a um, is a forest gnome, um, and so uh, forest gnomes have a natural knack for illusion and inherent quickness and stealth. Um, and then, per their subrace type, uh, they mainly dwell within the forest. Um, and they tend to be uh, friendly with other good-spirited women folk and regard elves and good fae as their most important allies. The third type of gnome is a rock gnome. And uh, a rock gnome has a natural in, um, inventiveness and hardiness beyond that of the other gnomes. Um, and... Most gnomes in the world of Dungeons and Dragons are generally rock gnomes because you see them adventuring out within the worlds, interacting with humans and other races within the Forgotten Realms. Um, Why are they called rock gnomes? That makes it sound like they live <laughs> under a rock. <laughs> because, I don't know. I thought you knew all the things. Probably, well, more than likely, they are... So, a lot of the races come from where they generally have been found or they live. So, oh. rock gnomes are probably known for living in rocky areas, like within mountains or rocky hills or cliffs. So, they live in rocks, but they're allowed to venture out. Yeah. Well, it makes them different than the forest gnomes that live in forests. But they don't. Yeah, so each race has uh, different racial abilities. So th for the ro uh, rock gnome, you, uh, let's see here, you get proficiencies in tinker's tools, and um, you can spend an hour and 10 golds worth of materials to construct a tiny clockwork device. And that device can be something like a clockwork toy or a fire starter or a music box. Um, the rock gnomes also have a uh, plus two to intelligence, um, whereas the forest gnomes, I believe, have uh, a... I think they're... Oh, each, each gnome actually has a plus two to intelligence. I think it's the... Forest gnomes have dexterity as their secondary skill. And rock gnomes, I'm just going to look it up because it's in the player's handbook. Yeah, so forest gnomes get uh, increased to their dexterity by one, 
and they have a, uh, they're considered natural illusionists. Um, and rock gnomes. get a, a plus one bonus to their constitution. That's what it is. And then they get the benefits of being like, uh, understanding more uh, of history and also the tinkering ability. Yeah, I think Rock Gnome is um, more suiting. Okay. That was just kind of a question out of curiosity. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I didn't know either. So. I'm sure there's so much in there that yeah I know. I didn't I didn't know why <laughs> yeah when for, uh, Tony first got these this is a sidetrack from the bell thing um, he got a few of the Dungeons and Dragons books like the player hand players hands uh sorry I'm having a hard time with words English players <laughs> words <laughs> players handbook and the DM guide and I think like the monster manual he got a bunch of them at the same time mm -hmm. and he would just like sit and read them for hours at a time I'm just like oh my gosh yep. what a nerd <laughs> <laughs> so for me if I'm like oh it's an informational text I'll read it when I need the information and him he was just like reading it for nope. fun so that way he could just store it all in his I brain I've, and, like, I've done that with out. a lot of other things but yeah I, totally yeah. Get I read yeah. all three of those books cover to cover yeah so that's why yeah. he knows he knows the things. And I was giving you a hard time about, oh, I thought you know all the things. Because, like, really, you, you are very knowledgeable. Well, <laughs> some things I forget, so I have to look them up. Yeah, but it's a quick <laughs> quick r reminder. Like, it took you two seconds to be like, oh, yeah, it's right here. Yeah. I know exactly where it was. So anyway, yeah, Rock Gnome. Cool. Also, well. every time you say Rock Gnome, I just want to say Rock Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make that a little song? For, yeah. Rock lobster. Rock gnome. Yeah, it is. A rock gnome always, I always want to make a rock gnome a bard who plays uh, <laughs> plays metal music. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. That'd be pretty funny. But we're off track from Bell. Very off track. <laughs> um, all right. So rock gnome traits. We get a plus two in intelligence, which will help our wizard build. And a plus one to constitution, mm -hmm. which will also help our wizard build because uh, constitution is an important part of keeping concentration on spells. So both of those ability traits that you get from the rock gnome help out with the princess spell build. I appreciate that you are letting me make the decision, but you're also kind of guiding me to like, this would be good because I can see in your head that you probably really want to say like I would pick this one because I can already see how they would go together and you already knew all of that right I I could but I don't want to be biased in these situations but you kind of are in your head that's what I'm saying like you could be definitely more biased but you're still letting me ultimately make the decision and it's funny being your wife because I can totally tell if I make a decision <laughs> that you're not expecting that you're like oh mm, okay like, I don't see that, but you could still make it work. So it's yeah. still my decision, even though, you know, if you were if you were in the seat and making the decisions, it might look slightly different. So yeah, I'm thinking of true. a perspective of also someone listening to this and just being like, oh, well, maybe I might have chosen that one. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I might have 
instead of doing a rock gnome, I might have chosen doing a half elf because I kind of like the idea that Belle's mom came from maybe a different lifestyle or a different choice, and um, Belle kind of needed to work with uh, work around being with humans rather than elves in her village. Um, and so maybe that would be an interesting choice that somebody makes trying to build Princess Belle. But I, I can see that being a gnome in this situation makes perfect sense. Which if someone does want to do that and play that character, then where can they find your social media and tell you how that went? If you would like to find us on social media, you can go ahead and check out our Twitter page at M-I Playable. And that's capital M, capital I. Yes, capital M, capital I, capital, capital P, Able. Able. Oh. Capital oh. P playable. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing earlier about him making notes. Anyway, that was supposed to be a segue in trying to get people to engage in what yeah. you're saying, which I think is helpful if you do that in a podcast. But yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, where were we? Oh, if someone does that and they want to find you on social media, then. Yeah, they What's can. the best place? Uh, probably the best place is to find us on Twitter. Uh, you can send us a direct message or you can just add us. Follow? Follow us. Add us. Don't follow us too fast because we can't keep up with the follower goals, <laughs> which well. is a great place to be. <laughs> no, that's good. Don't say don't follow you. Anyway, my point is if that's something that interests you, I think it would be really cool to see what choices that you made and if you yeah. actually played that character and how that went for you. So mm -hmm. it's at M-I playable. So capital M, yeah. capital I, and then playable. Correct. So or if they just search, make it playable, right? Yes, and if they search Make It Playable, you'll be able to find us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably our most active place that we are. Um, we're also on Twitch with the same handle, um, MI Playable. And uh, you can find our campaign videos on YouTube if you search the same thing, Make It Playable. Um, but, yeah, we have some videos and live streams out there, and uh, we're pretty good about checking our twitter messages and everything so if you have any ideas or just want to chat then you're more than welcome to hit us up yeah cool so back to our gnome traits and abilities okay um a gnome has a dark vision which extends out to 60 feet so you're able to see in dim light as if it was bright light in up to 60 feet. Uh, the gnome cunning. So you have advantage on all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic. That's a pretty good skill to have uh, as a spellcaster as well as kind of anything else. Uh, this having advantage on... Um, Saving throws against magic is uh, a really good ability to have uh, within Dungeons and Dragons because if you're going up against spellcasters, especially because those are the three 
the three main um, saving throws that you are going to have against any sort of uh, magical abilities. Uh, gnomes also have Artificer's Lore, which means that you are proficient in, uh, let's see here, well, not necessarily proficient, but whenever you make an intelligence history check related to a magic item, alchemic object, or technological device, you can add twice your proficiency bonus instead of any proficiency bonus you normally apply. So it's almost like having expertise in the skill. Uh, without actually having expertise, because you are doubling your proficiency bonus. And then rock gnomes have the ability of uh, tinkering, uh, which just means that you can create a small device uh, from a clockwork toy or fire starter or music box uh, if you spend about um, an hour and, uh, and 10 gold worth of materials. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to doing a background for Princess Belle. Uh, backgrounds are really important because they give the character kind of a, uh, a starting point of uh, where the character was and what they were doing before they decided to take up a life of adventure. Uh, it's a good starting point of creating a, a good character backstory is just having that foundation of your background and kind of working things up. Uh, so let's try to figure out what Belle was doing before she decided to go off an adventure, trying to find her father in the woods and encountering the beast, um, being trapped in the castle. So I actually was reading some of the uh, grim backstory and um, the original story was that her father was a merchant who had um, many ships and then lost his money. I think like the ships um, with the ships and they lost all their money. And so they had to go um, back to sea and they used to have, or excuse me, back from sea, back to land. And... Um, so they lost all of their money with the ships, uh, why can't I think of the word? Ships crashing? Um. I can cut some of that. When it was destroyed? Like if it, when it was shipwrecked? Yeah, yeah shipwrecked. Like, that's <laughs> the word I was looking for. Okay. Um, so that's where they had all of their money, and so ships shipwrecked, and, um, they lost their money, and so they had to go back to land into that village, I think, where um, you kind of get the picture of them in um, in the movies. Mm -hmm. Except in the fairy tale, there were siblings mm -hmm. um, in in the household as well, but you still don't see anything about their, their mother, which is odd. Yeah. Um, and so they... Um, get notice that maybe there is still one ship that is around and his father or her excuse me her father goes to investigate and look into um, is the ship still okay and can he get money and trade mm -hmm. um, from that one ship and along the way happens upon the beast castle and the beast um, 
just like in the um, in the movie, wants to imprison him for taking the one single red rose that he takes back for for Bell. Mm. Um, so that's similar to what you see in the movie. Whereas uh, all the siblings in the fairy tale are more vain and they wanted like gifts mm-hmm. and, and everything. So that kind of sets Belle apart as well. So she's, she's still set apart from what others are seeking in that way. Um, but what's interesting is that the beast lets him go in exchange for bringing back one of his daughters. So the daughter that uh-huh. he brings back is Belle and a little huh. risque is that, Bell agrees to stay there because she knows that that lets his father stay or stay alive. But the risque part is that the beast keeps asking in one version is to marry her and the other Mm -hmm. one is to just sleep with her Mm -hmm. every night. And she is um, refusing because she's like, you know, that's that's not what I'm about. Yeah. Um, So still like the the being independent, but like love a family in that version uh, but to go on with with that version is that she still is um, the the beast agrees to let her go back to family when she misses her family, um, and then when she's there, she sees or she's having visions of the beast not doing well, like he's dying, kind of similar to the movies where you know he has a limited amount of time because he's right. cursed. Um, so she goes back to him and realizes that he had um, he had died in that time Hmm. and so one of the versions is that he died because of the angry mom that mob that goes and attacks his his house kills him or attacks him at the castle kills him okay but in that like darker fairy tale version it's because the father had already arranged a marriage for Belle because she's the most beautiful of all of the siblings and so he had arranged a marriage while she was gone to someone and he wanted her to have that arranged marriage as part of like trying to get his wealth back and but she had realized that she was actually in love with the beast and she regrets it and tells him that she loves him and so then the curse is lifted and she's rewarded for choosing someone who isn't about vanity and money yeah and is had actually fallen in love with his character because she had spent so much time with him kind of like she did in the movies it was um, kind of debatable of how much time was actually there, but it was at least a month, right? And it could be argued that it could be longer, but, you know, the curse that was on the castle. I feel like I'm just going on and on and on. No. Okay. Yeah, good. I didn't know a lot of it. <laughs> <Okay>. Please continue. <laughs> um, the curse that was on the castle kind of made it hard to tell the time because mm-hmm. um, if you notice in, in the movies, it's just like always dark and snowy. Yeah. Um, and that's because... Of, of that curse that made the castle appear differently. And so I think it was the the live action where the people in the village are commenting like, oh, it's it's always winter there. Why is it snowing in, I think it was June or July, yeah. sometime in the summer. Like, oh, yeah. why is it summer? Or why is it snowing in summer? Um, so a little side note is I I liked that even though, you know, she, she did fall in love, it wasn't like, oh, I see this handsome prince and I fell in love with him over a day even though I didn't know him. Right that's one thing that I liked about her is like, oh, she got to know him for who he truly was and didn't yes. just fall in love with him for a day because, oh, he's yeah. so handsome. Yeah, they had to, they and 
the beast and bell actually had to work for that love right they worked for it and they bonded over their commonalities over the books yes right which is her backstory so even going to the movies if you didn't know all of that um, what she had been doing is just immersing herself in helping her father and um, being really committed to him and um, always, you know, doing her chores and taking care of the house and she would go out and venture into the village, but she still was saying, I want more than this provincial life. Right. Um, and, and reading books, even if it meant like reading the same books over and over and that she knew that there was just so much more out there. Does that answer right. that question? I <laughs> think... I, I forgot the question. It probably does, <laughs> but I forgot the question. Yeah, I think it was like, what was she doing? <laughs> but yeah, the, no, that answers. I, I think ultimately she was trying to do her best to gain as much knowledge as possible. Just reading reading books, help or helping her father. I don't know if it was like her goal was gaining as much knowledge as possible, right? Because I, I feel like you're trying to fit her into a D&D character which is obviously like the the point of this podcast but like her true thing was just um I'm also like not seeking vanity I think that was a big point mm-hmm. of um the movies but like the backstory of the fairy tale as well is that she didn't necessarily want what other people wanted like the clothes and the riches like she, yeah. she had the siblings who were so jealous of her beauty but she wasn't like holding that to a high standard yeah and she wasn't just wanting to be married off to anyone and even in the movies like gaston she was like yeah i'm not into you bro like and he that's all he cared about was beauty so she didn't hold in high regard uh the looks of other people she kind of she wanted to know their character more right yeah no that's a really good insight um it it's hard to classify that kind of um I, I don't know how how to put um that sort of living into a classification other than bell was kind of always that homemaker where she took care of the the things around the house helping her dad going doing the errands and that kind of stuff um, and kind of like the inventor, because I was just thinking about, you know, not, I know I said this earlier that like she wasn't really the tinkerer type, but I think she did, uh, that's not the right way to phrase that. She was a tinkerer because she got it from her dad, but I was mm-hmm. thinking about um, like being smart and inventive and not just following the trend of others, like in the, the live action movie where she's mm-hmm. teaching the, the girl to read because she knows that that's important but also like when they're sitting there and like washing their clothes by hand and she had um made the i think it was a horse or a donkey yeah wash it um because she had figured out a better way to do things so yeah i mean yeah she does kind of seek knowledge but not just going with the flow and what everyone else is doing she likes efficiency yeah she's she's really big on like correcting people who are who are like Maybe they're getting their job done and technically they're getting it done right. But she's like, oh, wait, this will make it a lot easier for you. Right. And there's like a there's a path for a tinkerer to do that, too. But there is definitely a path for like wizards. Like a lot of wizards have a backstory of like something specific they're trying to solve. Like they're trying to fix something like mm-hmm. we watch Critical Role and Caleb 
mm-hmm. is trying to control control time because his history he would like to fix something in his past mm-hmm. yeah. so his whole thing is going back and trying to control time so maybe she's searching for maybe if you were to play a bell character maybe there's something she's trying to learn to control or that she's trying to solve and along acquiring that information she becomes a tinker because maybe like working with her father she learned how to do some things easily and like making the donkey do the washing or Mm-hmm. Just those little efficiency things, efficiencies come with a lot of acquired knowledge, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. But definitely like wizards get described a lot as people who are always trying to make a concoction to do a lot of different things with their magic. But there's definitely a place to make a wizard character who has a singular focus, but they learn a lot of little things along the way, but they have their main, like what are they trying to overcome and do in life yeah yeah i'm not sure i can nail down a single focus but i like that Mm. viewpoint of maybe it could be that she just likes helping others right yeah and i think that that makes sense too is that her focus is really in spreading the knowledge that Mm -hmm. she gains uh to other people i mean we see that in the live action where she's trying to help the girl like you mentioned um but i mean even with uh, I think within the castle, like she wants to, uh, she wants to help the other people that are trapped within this curse within the, the castle as well. Right. So I think that's probably a good place to start. It's so picking this background in D and D is, um, there's kind of, there's not a, I feel like not a lot of options to fit that personality type um, and kind of where she started with being in this uh, village with limited access to books um, and kind of seeking something else. Um, but I, I'm thinking that starting out as a sage background might with that earnest to try to learn more things within the world might be a good place to start is that what defines a sage um not necessarily uh so with a sage the backstory here is that uh is that the character has spent years learning the lore of the multiverse or scouring manuscripts studying scrolls and listening to the greatest experts on subjects that interest you and your efforts have made you master in a field of study. Um, And then you kind of get a perk of a researcher where you can attempt to learn or recall a piece of lore. Um, And if you do not know that information, you often know where you can obtain it. Um, It's a little bit hard for, I feel like, Bell to fit that mold where yeah but the like knowing where to find your information i think that part fits okay is there are there other options that might hit the right note so i was looking into this earlier today and it's it was very difficult for me to find a couple more options for that um so maybe teddy has some uh 
other options that he possibly has, but um, horses. I feel like wizards kind of always uh, fit that note of a <laughs> of a sage background, and then there's not really that many. Um, I kind of wish that there was like a there was like a basic background uh, within D and D. Like you started out as a uh, like a peasant or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you don't have a lot of knowledge within the world, but what you do have is the yearning to go out and to adventure. But there yeah, doesn't right. seem to be a lot. There there doesn't seem to be a background that really fits that mold. Um, that like I feel like that would be a good background for Bell. Um. I'm looking at Xanathar's real quick because I feel like Sage is going to be some of the closest you can get and I don't feel like you necessarily have to adhere to every single portion of a background yeah um, because outside of outside of Sage there's nothing else that really like speaks to Bell mm -hmm. not really a sail yeah. sailor or yeah. Unless the backstory of her dad being the merchant. That's yeah. that's the other yeah. I the there is uh there is like a uh if you wanted to pick a uh what is it? A a guild artisan or a guild merchant. Um this is more where you're kind of part of a group already. Um, and you already have learned a craft and then you're kind of part of that group um, expanding your knowledge on a certain skill set that you mm. already have. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that really, other other than her, her dad being a really big part of that, um, I don't feel like that met, meets her criteria. Um I would say yeah. sage. It it's kind of hard to uh to tie down something else. Um other than that. But like Ted said, I think you don't have to adhere to the uh the common So pick sage. Because it's the one and only best option. I think it there might be other options out there that we could try to finagle with, but I think that her yearning for seeking out different lore and seeking out different knowledge fits what the sage is kind of about. And even though her village has 
a limited amount of knowledge. She's still actively, like, she's read those books that are available in the in the small town library dozens of times. Right. So if there was more for her available for her to learn from, then I feel like that would, um, there would be, uh, sh- she would have already read all those books. Right. So I think that Sage is probably the, the best suited that we could come up with. You could make a stretch for folk hero because she is slightly well known in her town and she is offered up like one of the one of the things for folk hero even though I moved and this is why I say stretch um or was it uh and your destiny calls you to stand against the tyrants and monsters that threaten the common folk everywhere and in the situation of her being offered up to the monster you can you can make like certain cases for things for folk hero but I think even that's really stretching it you don't you'd be better off working with sage and tweaking some of those with yeah. with your dm and i think that's i think that's your best option is to start with something you have like sage and take mm-hmm. the aspects of it that are really close to bell as they are and then work around with the other traits and maybe make those something that you develop into versus something you start off with which i always prefer to do anyway i think when you start off with such a heavy background like with ours, like Tony knows, my backstory for our main campaign, my character was pretty short. And I was like, these are the main things I want to hit. But I kind of want my backstory to be more of a development yeah. than just as is. Because I think that's a lot more fun for the role play aspect. And it gives you, your DM, a ton of creativity if they're they're um, they're up to it. And it lets you, as a character, get to discover more about who you're playing. If you're mm-hmm. wanting to play these characters for a long term versus just like a one shot. Yeah. You know. And I think that's the difference between someone who's played D&D multiple times versus someone who hasn't. Whereas like me, I'm like right. tell tell me what I can do. Like I need to know as much mm-hmm. information rather than being on the spot cuz I don't I'm not as experienced with the role mm-hmm. play. So it's good that you bring that up that, you know, your experience versus my experience where I'm like, well, what are the options and what fits and I'd, I'd probably it's also probably my personality that i might stick to that more rather than exploring about like oh what can we tweak but also yeah. because i don't know what you could tweak so right. it's good yes. to say like bring it up to your dm and see yeah they yeah. Do. yeah i mean the important part of dungeons and dragons is having this be a collaborative story between the dungeon master and the players so uh i mean if you're gonna sit at a table and not want to or not just don't discuss things with your dungeon master or the dungeon master doesn't discuss things with the player, then it, it essentially doesn't become a collaborative story that you're telling. Um, so that's an important thing is just having a, a DM and a player that are willing to work out these little tweaks and be creative, um, and try to tell a very interesting story about a character. I think one of the things I would pass on if somebody's listening to this and hasn't played a lot of D&D is the majority of the rules you need to pay attention to are for encounters, either role-play encounters or combat encounters, because they facilitate the encounter. Mm-hmm. Not just, they don't really tell you how, what you can do, but they tell you the process so that you're not stopping the game every 
10 seconds to explain something. It's okay, this is what's happening next and people can roll with it. But with regards to a backstory or like a character development element, there's that's a conversation like Tony said, but there's not really a limit to what you can do that if you're D if you talk to your DM, most DMs are almost excited to build something for you versus just take what's out of the book. The book is more to inspire the ideas and the rules are to facilitate the continuation of the game versus stop you from doing something. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with our Sage, we get skill proficiencies in Arcana and History. Arcana is just the knowledge of magic within Dungeons and Dragons, and History is just the ability to recall information that has been previously given to you. Uh, sages also have um, get the choice of learning two additional languages. Um, our particular bell build already knows Gnomish uh, and Common, so uh, we are going to try to figure out some other common languages that uh, that Bell would know. Um, I think Teddy has brought this up a couple times: is that when we pick lang- languages um, within uh, DM to player, that's something that a player needs to really discuss with a dungeon master as part of their backstory, as part of like the world that they are going into. Um, so, uh, me trying to help you along with, uh, princess bell, I would say, um, that, uh, Elvish is probably an important one to pick. Elvish is like second to common for the most part. Yeah. Almost all, uh, a lot of dealings, um, that you're going to get, especially understanding magic, old world magic and forgotten realms. A lot of elves are involved within that magic so understanding elvish would be a a really good idea um uh so i think that doing that would probably be uh pretty good okay and i think um for me in dungeons and dragons the most ancient language that can be spoken um that has to do with magic uh in my personal opinion, is draconic. Um, So it's kind of the the language of dragons. Um, And dragons and Dungeons & Dragons have been around forever, and they tend to to really have these kind of... sometimes have these innate abilities, magical abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding Elvish and draconic might be a good place to just start. Christine is giving me a look. <laughs> and again, this is really something that the player and the DM really needs to decide together. So like if you had something in mind of we're going to put Bell in this story, then one story opposed to another story, you might recommend another language. But just for like a general sense, those are good options. Right yeah, now. those are good options. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, you kind of just reminded me that uh, you, where Bell, um, where Bell is, and where she's grown up, there's kind of this cursed land uh, just adjacent to her village that uh, her her dad needs to pass through, mm-hmm. um, and it might be also interesting as kind of me as the DM explaining to you as the player that uh, as part of the story, um, the 
the story about the curse and uh, the enchantment, uh, maybe the uh, the curse and the enchantress was really more or less related to uh, the Feywild. Um, and so not only understanding Elvish would be beneficial, but also understanding uh, a language like Sylvan, uh, which What's is Sylvan? so Sylvan is kind of the older version of uh, Elvish. It is the language of the Fey Wild. Um, so a lot of the Fey creatures um, speak this language. Um, so maybe being kind of adjacent to this cursed land, uh, she could have possibly picked up some phrases in Sylvan, um, and that would relate to the curse. But Sylvan isn't any better. It would just be maybe she has that because of the backstory with the Sylvan. Sylvan would be cool yeah. because it could help you learn, have a little bit of understanding of Elvish if you had it. But mm-hmm. if you had Elvish, that you wouldn't be able to go up to Sylvan. Like you wouldn't really understand anything Sylvan. Correct. You could translate down, so like tears. Like you could translate down from Sylvan to Elvish, but you couldn't necessarily go up to Sylvan. Yeah, kind of like things. I understand a little bit of Spanish. Like I'm trying to understand what you mean by the tears. <laughs> you're you're getting it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, if I understand Spanish, I can understand a little bit of Portuguese. Yes. Yeah. Or Portuguese, and you understand, you can understand a little bit of Spanish. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. That's a but if I already understand Elvish, then it wouldn't really be a benefit to have Sylvan. It it'd be a benefit to understand the language of uh, of maybe th- if the DM were saying that this was a Fey curse, then you might understand a lot more about why. This land was cursed by an a fey enchantress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you understood Sylvan, but if you just understood Elvish, then uh, you might not understand all the things that the enchantress herself or the creatures of that cursed land were speaking. Does that help? Yeah, I'm just thinking about. Um, I mean, if we're sticking just straight to Bell, like how long were they in that village? Were they actually there when the curse happened or did mm-hmm. they just move in after? Which I know is a small, minute detail, I guess. Um, but that would kind of make the difference between the Sylvan and not. Yeah. That's kind of something then you can leave to question. Right, and then if you played, that would be a cool com. That actually, that's a, I didn't, I hadn't thought of that, and that's yeah. a really cool conversation to have. I think, yeah. I think I like the idea that you said the Sylvan. I think I like that Sylvan, but then also still Elvish. I, uh, I mean, we could say that you would probably understand most things if you understand Sylvan. You would understand most things in Elvish, um, without trying to like totally discredit languages right the breakdown of languages within dungeons and dragons um but maybe not everything because elvish is more related in D D to uh the prime material plane plane 
and Sylvan is more related to the Feywild. So right. elves of the Feywild speak Sylvan. You'd, elves you'd of the... get like broken sentences and like yeah. some some like vowels and descript- descriptors here and there. Right. But you wouldn't be able to translate what you're hearing, essentially. Right. Yeah. So. I like that. I think I'll, I'd go with the Sylvan. Okay. Yeah, so we'll kind of uh, leave that up to kind of player and DM discretion, but I, I do like the, the idea of doing a, a Sylvan language. Um, we'll kind of break down ability scores. This is... This is just me being nerdy, mm-hmm. but to not gonna save, the fate, <laughs> save the fate of everyone listening and Christina being a part of this discussion, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we'll kind of pinpoint uh, a couple important skills uh, and abilities within um, this build that are important. So our ability scores are strength, uh, which has to do with our physicality, uh, dexterity, which has to do with uh, kind of nimbleness and agileness, constitution, which is our hardiness, determining our hit points and uh, how well we can concentrate on things. Intelligence is kind of exactly what that is is wisdom is more about how perceptive and in tune with the world around you um, and your feelings and gut reactions and charisma is more is kind of exactly what it has what it says um oh What am I doing? I'm picking how many? You can just pick a couple that are kind of important to uh, to Bell. Uh, being a wizard, your uh, your intelligence is going to be most important because it is the uh, this your magical uh, spell casting ability. Um, and yeah. and I think that that suits well with Bell. Um, it's intelli- intelligence, I, I think Constitution maybe. Okay. Um, I almost never, when I think of constitution, I almost never think about it as a concentration spell. I just have a fear of dying, so I always just think that it helps me get more health. <laughs> yeah. It gives me more hit points. Yeah. Whenever I build spellcasters, I tend to think about think that way. Uh-huh. And whenever I build uh, melee fighters, like martial characters, I think the other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. I only think about it. <laughs> so I think she definitely is dexterous but that wouldn't be something that describes her because i'm thinking about her like reading that book as she's walking through the village and all kinds of the crazy things going on and she doesn't uh-huh. trip um, yeah but especially if we're making her a wizard and if she would be casting spells constitution would be i think more important right like that is kind of that helps yeah that helps her uh concentrate more on her spells um so that means that if she were to get hit in in battle um the dm requires a concentration check which is related to your constitution ability um to keep uh to keep your mind um still actively engaged in keeping hold of that uh magic magical spell that you're casting 
Yeah, but even outside of the wizard of the like keeping your mind focused on something that's kind of um, in line with Bell. Okay. I, I think yeah. constitution. I mean, the other thing I would think is wisdom, but um, I think constitution and intelligence are higher up there. Higher up there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I think if if I were doing a, uh, if I were putting ability scores in here, um, I might even put uh, charisma a little bit lower than the rest. Yeah, because she wasn't exactly seeking people's affection, and it's yeah. not like they loved her, but she didn't care. Yeah, yeah. So she can she can seem off-putting to other people that don't really know her, but she. Um, but it's not really that she she kind of doesn't really care what other people are thinking about her. I relate to that 100%. <laughs> I'm sorry if I seem off-putting. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I'm going to put some scores in here. And all right. So for our ability scores, I just I put a 10 in strength. Um, I Kind of basic. Like she can do the do her her work <laughs> sure um i put a a 14 <laughs> push it away uh i put a 14 in dexterity and a 15 in constitution with the racial traits that gives her a 16 uh, i put a 16 in intelligence with her racial traits that gives her an 18 for wisdom um with this kind of under like discussing about her doing things within the village uh and just reading a book and not really paying attention i put a 14 in wisdom and i put a uh an eight in charisma so that's her only negative modifier is in charisma okay so you know what i was just thinking the whole time that you did that is i would never remember any of what you just said and if i was actually wanting to play this character for me personally i would have to go back and listen to that little segment on the podcast like 15 times yeah. maybe not 15 maybe like five in order to get everything that you said so yeah. you as mr graphic designer do you ever put all of these things together into like a sheet and, yes. and share it I do. I put all of this information on our Reddit p page, which you can find at uh, Reddit slash R slash Am I Playable? Did I get that right? Because we do have a subreddit, and it is uh, for Make It Playable. I think it's just Am I Playable if you search it within uh, Reddit. Reddit.com forward slash R forward slash capital M, capital I, capital P for playable forward slash. And it'll be there. Can yeah. you also tweet Wait. about it and say, find it here on our Reddit? Yeah, we have our we have our link yeah. tree pinned on Twitter. So when people check out our Twitter page, it's the first tweet they see on our page. And they can gain access to every location we inhabit on the internet. Yeah. But I'm also thinking like specifically of if you tweet this you can totally cut this out too i'm just telling you personally because i know we've talked about like tweeting things more yeah if you specifically say hey our podcast is up and then another tweet of like here's the player sheet if you mm -hmm. want to play this version of bell or it's mod yeah. it's editable so if you wanted to change something then 
go find it here and then just change it. Yeah, we usually link the D and D Beyond character sheet uh, so that somebody can take a look at it, at it there. Um, we can look into getting a. We can do a printout. You can uh, print the PDF, PDF and, and attach it. Well, yeah, and just make it that. easy for so. people to say like, "Well, here's what we did. Here's what we did in the podcast. Here's what we formed." So yeah. just like be able to hand it to someone if they're like, "Yeah, I loved it. I'm going to be able to play it." Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like another thing to get engagement of yeah, and instead that's of just like here, listen to this. Yeah, that's minimal work on the player side too. Is if they already have a printable PDF that they can just print out and say, "Oh yeah, I really want to play this build," um, then I think that that'd be easier rather than trying to copy a one mm-hmm. character sheet to another. Or so. listening to something like five or ten times to. Oh yeah. Actually, get the information from it because I, I might be frustrated by that, but that's me. Yeah. Definitely. Other people but might be totally I fine with that. I think we definitely will put all the information out there and try to make it as easy as possible for all of our listeners to build these characters because we're kind of building this for the community anyway, trying to help you out and play these characters because they're yeah. fun to play. Yeah, and I think it would be cool to also let people know that, hey, we did this this thing for you, so if you like it, and then, you know, people could comment on that tweet or that post and just be like, oh, yeah, thanks, or I loved it, or, you yeah. know, whatever. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. You're welcome. <laughs> what do we need to talk about next? <laughs> we so need to we that. need to talk about how how not what it was. It was just I know awkward silence. I know trying that's, to that's avoid what, the that's just what I, I heard in my head. <laughs> All right. Well, yes. <laughs> we can move on to the la- the rest of our uh, build progression. Uh, we're gonna build all of our Disney princesses up to level eight. Um, and so we started with a level one wizard, and we are going to go ahead and figure out what our uh, eight levels of progression are. If there's any options to multi-class into something, then we will discuss them as it comes out. What level do people normally start at? One? Uh, one or two, I would say. Um if you're going to do an ongoing campaign um, kind of with uh, with good character progression, then I would say starting your campaign out at level one or level two is beneficial. Um, level one is really rough. Um, you don't so get to do a lot of stuff. You can't really do a lot of stuff, and you don't have a lot of hit points, and uh, it's very limited to the creatures that you really fight. Um, at level two, you start getting the hang of it. Um, different classes start getting nicer abilities that they can utilize. So starting your initial campaign at level two has uh, become more common within the community because you're you're a little bit more hardy than your average per- than your average person within the world, and you have a few more abilities uh, than those common mercenaries out there. How do you feel about people starting at this level eight that you're going to create? So at level eight, you've kind of progressed through um, most uh, most of the adventures. Uh, a lot of the adventure books out there 
um, will progress a level uh, character from uh, level one to um, all the way up to uh, probably say about level twelve. Twelve gets tends to be a good cutoff point um, for most uh, longer campaigns. So if we're talking Curse of Strahd or Tomb of Annihilation or uh, Storm King's Thunder, then their books kind of tend to cut that off right around level 12. And There's only like a few books like The Rise of Tiamat that goes like, I think level like 16 yeah, or something. Like yeah, that. and I think even um, Out of the Abyss goes a little bit farther than that, um, probably so, around level 16. Yeah, so. by the time you get to like level 10 or 12, you're very powerful as yeah. a character. Yeah. But then would it be up to the DM to make adjustments after that point? Yes. Yeah. So if you're going to start out with a character build like uh, like we're building here at level eight, then this is more of a um, if you're going to start at level eight with a Disney princess, then this is probably more for a one shot um, that you're going to be playing. Um, but what we're trying to do here is try trying to progress the character and give you the options so that if you wanted to start at level one with a Disney princess, then these are kind of our ideas of how you progress that character over the course of the cam that campaign. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, with wizard at level one, um, wizards learn two uh, proficiencies in their wizard skills. So we can pick two from um, Arcana, History, Insight, Investigation, Medicine, and Religion. From our background, we already uh, have skill proficiencies in Arcana and History. Um, so the Princess Bell character is more knowledgeable in those areas of magic and uh, recalling history. Um, so our options here at level one are choosing two from Insight, which is uh, really trying to tell whether uh, another character is telling the truth or having that gut reaction when you um, when you have a first meeting with someone or uh, trying to read into someone's motivations. Um, investigation is actively looking and pursuing some sort of uh, some sort of knowledge or uh, or looking through, um, feeling around, um, knowing which things to ch to pick from, and um, and in really investigate. Uh, Medicine is exactly what that says, trying getting your knowledge of uh, of the inner workings of creatures, trying to understand uh, how to heal and bandage and and then religion is understanding the uh, the histories and lore of the uh, mythos that has been created by the DM or Wizards of the Coast. That's it. Those are our four options, and we get to choose two of them for Bell. Oh, I have to pick two. Well, I was going to say investigation. I feel like that's pretty obvious. That's a good one. What was the first one again? The... Uh, Insight was the first one. 
don't know. That one doesn't really speak to me as much. Maybe religion. But it's not necessarily that she, like... Was Arcana another option? Arcana and history we got from Sage. Um, Religion's kind of a hard one. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that... Well, maybe you don't have to be religious to understand it. Because as we break those skills down, um, religion is is an intelligence-based skill. And so it's really more kind of recalling the uh, the lore and the histories of particular uh, deities within the Forgotten Realms rather than, like, being connected with, uh, with a deity. So being able to, like, recall and understand it when that knowledge is called upon. I think yeah. that kind of relates. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that over insight? Because I think those would probably... What, what was the third third option? Um, medicine. Medicine. Oh, medicine. Yeah. yeah. No, not medicine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think between religion and insight. Yeah. I mean, she... Second. I think she can tell, like, who's who's nice and who's kind of creepy within the town. Yeah, like um, Gaston. Yeah, like, she doesn't want anything to do with Gaston because he is a creep. Like, we see that, but not everybody else sees that um, within the town. And um, and so maybe she, we could say that she has a little bit of a higher uh, proficiency in insight than the rest of the villagers because she can read into the lies and the, uh, the facade that Gaston is presenting to other people. Yeah, I think that probably fits a little bit better and i think that she can read into like the beast like as himself too is like she's not necessarily she's initially afraid of the beast i believe um Mm -hmm. but as she gets to know him like she looks past the facade that he's putting uh presenting her with and really reads into his character yeah i see that too i guess i was thinking about religion also of you know she can understand it if she draws upon that but thinking about at least religion as we understand it as being able to read different texts and interpret meaning from it and so that kind of goes along with her but i do kind of like giving her the most multi-faceted parts of her character of mm-hmm. insight and like the intelligence not just like yeah she reads books and that's it yeah. No, that's good. That's good insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> <Good> <laughs> I won't do the clap. I won't do the uh, I was going to say that now might be a good time to bring up a point of why people don't like Bell, because you were talking about insight of, like, seeing his character, um, and initially she's scared of him. And so some people don't like Bell because... Um, or the movie at all because of the whole Stockholm syndrome of falling in love with your captor. Yeah. And I don't think that's what it is. Like I I can see why people would get that from the movie, but like you said, it's, you know, being skeptical of this person, but then seeing their true character. And it's not like it happens right away. Like she really is, um, 
apprehensive yeah about it and it's not like she was there to be in love but she was just like you know that whole song of there's something there that wasn't there before right. it was just like oh i see those little things yeah, about little you moments. yeah the yeah. moments not like i don't know i don't i don't know the psychology fully of stockholm syndrome to say that it's oh yeah, it's definitely completely different but i guess my point is the insight part of that is true i don't think that yeah. it's necessarily stockholm syndrome i think it's just seeing something about someone after you get mm -hmm. to know them a little bit more yeah yeah absolutely all right so for wizards at level two you are able to uh understand an arcane tradition what a good segue <laughs> <laughs> let's stop talking about that <laughs> let's talk about wizards again <laughs> Okay, so I already apologize in advance for doing this, but what? there is. Oh no! Is this all for wizards? He's turning the pages. What is this like? There six are, pages? There are eight schools of magic. Ugh. So I'm gonna try my very best to narrow down as much as possible for you the schools of magic wait wait tell me why like what's the purpose of okay. narrowing down a school of magic so a school of magic is really your focus within a uh within a section of magical ability so wizards of the coast and dungeons and dragons have uh separated all of these magical abilities into eight schools um like harry potter Yes, like Harry Potter, where you go to uh, abjuration fall. school, and then you go to illusion school and divination <laughs> school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Uh, Can you tell me with the the eight types? Yes. What are their names? So the eight types of school are abjuration, uh, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy and transmutation i feel like necromancy is not <laughs> gonna be a thing here yeah that would be a hard nix um what was the, transmutation transmutation is another school um i would also take out illusion mm -hmm. she's probably not not necessarily a, gonna study illusion correct um and uh i might even take out enchantment um, but we Unless can, we go down the path of her mom being the maybe, enchantress. Maybe she has an innate ability of trying to enchant things. Mm, which um, would be fun to explore. I mean, I feel like right now I've just trying to been sticking to what the typical Belle as we know her is. You know, because most people really only see the movies. But if I were yeah. to explore that further, hmm, maybe... Yeah. That might be fun. Maybe one time you play Belle as this character and maybe you change it up and play her as Enchantress. As a different school, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, go on. Different schools of magic. Yeah, so I think the... Continue. <laughs> I shall continue reading from these books. Um, so the School of Abjuration emphasizes magic and blocks, banishes, and protections. Um, so it's more of uh, protecting yourself and others uh, is is really what that school 
is about. But she did that for her dad, so I can mm-hmm. see that maybe. Yeah, and conjuration is um, a, more of what it says in the name is really having the ability to conjure or produce objects and creatures out of thin air. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. Okay. And uh, divination is yeah. uh, the school where um, you kind of seek a clear understanding of the past, present, and future. How many of these am I picking? Uh, you're going to pick one school. So each wizard picks one school of magic to mm-hmm. focus on. It's past, present, or future. Yeah. And enchantment is the uh, you having the honed ability to magically entrance and beguile other peoples and monsters. I mean, she entranced the beast, so... <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't her goal, so... Yeah. Uh, evocation is uh, really the study of more powerful magic uh, that really focuses on elemental effects um, and uh, and like really more of the uh, bringing bringing more damage into a scenario. So it's more of being able to a- attack things more. Um, if, if you're wanting to have a lot more power and damage within your wizard, then evocation is the, that school. Um, which is cool, but not for bell, but not for bell. Yeah, I'd agree. And transmutation is, uh, the study of modifying energy and matter and, uh, making it mutable. Um, so into something else. I think if I were playing a wizard, not Bell, in a different game, that would be fun. Okay. Um, so, what was it again? Was the abjura- abjuration was the first one. I can't yeah. remember the names. Where? Abjuration. I need to see things. Yeah, the first school is abjuration, which really focuses on wards. Um, yeah, and divination was understanding past, present, and future, and kind of trying to recall and uh, make those kind of twist fate in a different mm-hmm. way. And I think we can probably presume that over this course um, of her level progression, like she might have already met the beast. She's probably maybe learning these things in in the uh, the beast library in his castle, um, trying to gain more understanding about the curse of the beast, the curse of the castle and this area. Um, so that'd be a kind of a good story element to bring in is that as, um, as she's learning more powers as a wizard, she's also trying to understand the curse, like the things related and behind the curse as well. Yeah. I, I feel like there's part of the divination that I like the past, present and future, especially in the 
um, the live action when she, you know, I feel like she kind of has a heart change when she sees the past of what happened to her oh, mother. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking of. Um, and she's also probably wondering, you know, what happened to the beast to get him. Um, that's my transition <laughs> sound. <laughs> it's just a Or put that in the end. That's what happens when we get to almost two hours. Yeah. Silly sounds. It's like Kaylin's, uh, Kaylin's little fish thing. Silly sounds. Especially Any when it sounds like it? it's underwater. Yeah. Or I have timestamps this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every time I see you typing stuff, it makes me laugh. Like, oh yeah, he's cutting that. That's silly. Uh, what was I saying? Um, so, figuring out the the past and what happened kind of made her have the heart change. And I think that also opened up her eyes to how she was... Um, viewing the beast too mm -hmm. like i told you today when i watched that how she was telling her dad when she came back like oh i saw what happened with mom and she was saying i understand your sacrifice not just that i understand that you did that because you love me but yeah. also i understand what love means yeah on a deeper level yeah but with that being said i think abjuration is more her overall about um, trying to end harmful effects and protecting the weak. Um, and I, I think back to like her helping others and helping the little girl read and um, she is protecting her dad and trying to um, also protect the beast, you know, when the mob is going after going after him mm -hmm. um so yeah i think i'd go with abjuration okay no that's a good choice i and playing an abjuration wizard is more you know you're protecting yourself but it's real uh at lower but at higher levels you're really focused on buffing other people around you you're focused on protecting them which fits her personality yeah. more she's not really right. about like all right you guys can go beat them up i'll just make sure you come back in one piece yeah, yeah. cool all right so we've chose chosen at level two uh the arcane tradition of Six abjuration more. yeah uh, so uh at third second level you get an ability called arcane ward um, where you can weave magic around yourself for protection. You, uh, when you cast an abjuration spell of first level or higher, you can simultaneously use a strand of that spell's magic to create a magical ward uh, on yourself that lasts until you finish a long rest. The ward has a hit point maximum equal to twice your wizard level plus your intelligence modifier. And whenever you take damage, the ward use uh, takes the damage instead if this damage reduces the ward to zero hit points you take any remaining damage so it's just like a good way of having temporary hit points which is really nice for oh, those yeah. squishy wizards out there it's very squishy um as i'm looking farther into the uh school of magic 
I think that at least taking this wizard build up to level six to do the projected ward sp uh, skill, uh, where um, when a creature that you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to cause your arcane ward to absorb that damage. And once again, if this damage reduces the ward to zero hit points, the warded creature takes any remaining damage. Uh, but again, that is a good way of showing that she is protecting other people as well. Great. <laughs> Along the way, at level three, uh, we gain more uh, higher level spells, uh, new higher level spell slots, and at level four, we get an ability score improvement. Um, let's see here. If we were to look at a couple feats that we could possibly pick, um, then I think that that would be important for those. All right. Uh, so picking a feat for those people that want to explore feats, uh, if we could pick a couple that makes sense, then I think that that would be nice. Uh, first one that comes to mind might just be the keen, keen mind uh, ability. Uh, so you can increase your intelligence score by one. Um, you always know which way is north and you always know the number of hours left before the next sunrise or sunset, and you can actor accurately recall anything that you have seen or heard within the past month. So there's a few options for feats uh, that you can take during your uh, fourth level um, ability score improvement. So rather than taking two points, putting two points toward, towards another ability score or one point in two other ability scores, you uh, have the option to take a feat, which gives you, um, sometimes it'll give you uh, an, a, one ability score increase in a particular ability, and then some other options that you can use. Um, so one option that might be really interesting to take uh, other than just the keen mind which gives you an, uh, an intelligence boost um, as well as a few more abilities is to take a uh, an unearthed arcana uh, racial feat which is called wonder maker um, oh, this is just fun. just for rock gnomes uh, so this says that you master the tinker techniques of your people you gain the following benefits. You increase your dexterity or intelligence by one. When you make a check using your proficiency with Tinker's tools, you add double the proficiency bonus to the check. And when you make a device with your Tinker trait, you have the following additional options for you to make. So you can make an alarm, you can make a calculator, a lifter, a timekeeper, or a weather sensor. Ooh. So the first option you said seems kind of boring of like, well, you just get more intelligence where this yep. one is you get all of that plus also like a plus one of intelligence. I Correct. Think? Intelligence yeah. or what was uh, intelligence or dexterity. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to pick Wondermaker. Okay. Hey, Do I that. have to pick 
if it's intelligence or dexterity right now, or is it at, in in the moment? It's up to you whether or not you want to pick dexterity or intelligence. So I do have to pick right now. Yes. Um. <gasps> which what is what are my numbers right now for intelligence and dexterity? Your intelligence is at an eighteen, uh, which gives you a plus four modifier, um, and then you can put. You can go up to a maximum of 20. And dexterity is? And dexterity is a 14, which is a plus 2 modifier. Um, but what good does it to have more dexterity? Because usually if you're doing like a saving throw in D&D, &D, there's never... Wait, no, there is dexterity saving throws, right? Yes, yes. But there's not like an intelligent saving throws. That would be like if you come into an encounter... Yeah, so increasing your intelligence at this point would mean that uh, you're on the way towards being a little bit better with your spellcasting ability um, and your saving throws. Getting um, Increasing it from 18 to 19 doesn't change the modifier because it's only on even numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so it won't increase that drastically. Uh, but if we were to increase it um, during our at our level eight um, ability score improvement, then you could bump that up from a 19 to a 20, and then that would give you, a, instead of a plus four modifier, it would be a plus five, which also helps with your intelligence saving throw, your spellcasting ability, as well as your spellcasting uh, save um, DC. Do I only have the ability to increase intelligence now and at, again at level 8? There's nothing in between? Correct. So I should do that one. Okay. We will go ahead and pick out the Wonder Maker. Is, is, that, is that what you're saying? Yes. Do I understand that correctly? That, I, that probably would be a better one overall? Correct. Okay. Let's see here. I don't see that in here on D&D Beyond. Which one? That's weird. The Wonder Maker. But it's in uh, Unearthed, Unearthed Arcana. Oh, because they're probably... Guess what? Because Tasha's is coming out. So they probably removed it from Unearthed Arcana and are going to put it in Tasha's. That's probably what's going on. It's going to be a real thing. Yeah. Uh... Okay. We'll just so say we did it. We'll say that we did it. All right. Plus one intelligence. Very good. Uh, as of right now, what I'm going to do is do an ability score improvement, and we'll do a plus one in intelligence. Very good. All right. So at level seven, um, we kind of uh, have progressed quite a bit, quite a bit into... Uh, into wizard so we can c continue to go along that track okay. um, or we can decide to um, to a multi-class into something else um, which might lend uh, lend to the wizard build um, so do you see uh, any other options for bell that would be um, a good choice um, 
can you propose some things that might be good and I can say yes that fits or, Yay or yeah. Nay. no yeah absolutely so I think uh, multi-classing into artificer um, from level seven and then uh, even moving that into level eight doing a level at two levels into artificer at this point might be a, a good benefit um, artificer is mainly involved into doing magical tinkering um, so maybe she learns a little bit more about that magical tinkering ability with uh, the feat that she took uh, with her involvement with her father. Um, and so being more intelligent and being able to gain the skills to do so. Correct. Yeah. 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 So that might be a good option. Um, sticking out with, uh, with wizard at this point means that you, uh, you would get um, higher level, no higher level spells and higher level uh, spell slots, which means that you can cast uh, levels at uh, spells at a higher level. Um, and then at level eight, you would get another ability score improvement. So we're kind of uh, figuring out if the level eight ability score improvement is better um, or if taking two levels into Artificer uh is a better choice. Um, so if we stuck with um, the wizard, we not only get the ASI, but we also... Uh, What's ASI? ASI is the ability score improvement. Mm -hmm. um, at level eight, wizards uh, know fourth level spells and they have two uh, fourth level spell slots. Um, so we're kind of missing out on level four spells and that ability score improvement uh, to multi-class into Artificer. Um, with Artificer, at level one, um, you're going to get some magical tinkering um, abilities you are also going to be able to prepare a list of spells um, daily. So that way you have a, uh, a wider, arrain wider range of spells that you can choose from uh, at the beginning of your adventuring day. And at level two, you learn the ability to infuse an item. So you can choose a uh, common or um, a, a list of uncommon magical items that uh, you magically infuse um, and can carry around with you and help your adventuring party. Um, and then you also learn some abilities, uh, additional magical tinkering abilities of creating some tiny, uh, tiny magical objects. Um, I think that all sounds pretty cool. I like the, you could change spells on a daily basis mm -hmm. with the artificer, right? Correct. And the wider variety of spells to choose from? Correct. Those sound like positives. Yeah. And then you're able to kind of do more of the tinkering abilities as well. Right, uh, yeah, I think, no. let's, can we go with that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's multi-class, because 
everyone should multi-class at least once in their life, right? Uh, I... Not sure what you mean by that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to play D&D, then don't just like stick with one thing. Sometimes it helps to stick with one thing, but I am a no, notorious I mean multi-classer. Time. Yeah, yeah, just try it out if one you're time. Like, I love this character, but yeah, my character went through a blood curse. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how he feels about it yet. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Well, if you watch our campaigns on Twitch every Wednesday, oh, you're calling me out <laughs> hardcore, huh? I do watch them briefly. Yeah, but I'm just letting the audience know that if you... It runs, oh. it runs in the background, not if, on mute, just quiet enough so I don't hear it. If you wanted to watch... Teddy's uh, the one who's really calling me out right now. Well, that's, that's definitely not what I do to everybody's <laughs> Twitch stream. With our multi-class of Artificer, we gain Great some interesting segue, things uh, for, uh, for proficiencies at level one. Um... The most important thing that I think uh, helps with a wizard multiclassing into Artificer is the armor proficiencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with Artificer, you get proficiency in light and medium armor as well as shields. And wizards do not start with any proficiencies in any type of armor whatsoever. So gaining at least one level in Artificer just... helps their survivability because now they can get some armor and help with their armor class and so that means that they're harder to hit uh, and they're not as squishy yeah (laughs) Uh, you also gain proficiencies in thieves tools and tinkers tools so if you don't helpful for in that in the live action when they're in the back of that that uh, carriage when her dad is being taken to the um was it insane? Oh, yeah, the asylum the, thing. Was it an asylum? I think it was an asylum. Yeah, or whatever they called it in the yeah. movie. But she unlocks they the had to break out. Yeah, they, her they dad had, did. Maybe that was her first time using thieves' tools as she leveled up into her multi class of artificer. Mm hmm. Yeah. But also, she could have used the armor when the mob came and attacked the beast castle and she's yeah. just over there like standing like hey i'm here well you know that right could've, that could have been helpful uh, yeah absolutely uh at level two we gain the ability to infuse an uh an item uh to become a magical item uh at level two we get four choices of infusions um those infusions can be anything from a uh, replicating a magical item. Um, you can increase uh, the um, the defense of an armor, a piece of armor or shield, and, or you can increase the effectiveness of a weapon. Um, you can also create an enhanced arcane focus, which gives you. Uh, a plus one bonus to and all of your magical spells and abilities, um, and there are a uh, couple um, unearthed arcana uh, options for you to ch- uh, to look into and choose from as well, um, being the armor of tools and the mind sharpener. Um, let's see here. And then you also have a 
a an option to do a repeating shot, which you infuse onto a uh, a weapon that is a ranged weapon, um, and it just automatically reloads your ammo. Um, and then the returning weapon, which makes any weapon that has the thrown property return to the user's hand. So a lot. Um, the artificer also is kind of more along the the helper of the group as well, which kind of fits with um, with Bell's personality because a lot of these items don't necessarily help uh, help Bell, uh, but they will help the team members. Yeah. So uh, those are just some interesting options to choose from. Um, you can kind of look at those options as well. Um, I think doing, uh, for Belle herself, um, creating an enhanced arcane focus. Um, and if you have any, uh, any martial uh, players on the team, then increasing their defenses and weapons is a great benefit um but any of those options are really kind of up to the player as they are kind of advancing through uh, through levels and encountering things uh, that the dm throws at them so is that something i have to pick right now or just as you're playing as you're playing i think that you could probably pick those items um because you can kind of you can daily choose these options Oh, okay. um, so if you wanted to have a, uh, a better s piece of armor one day um, and a better weapon the next day, then you can switch that out during your long rest. Um, so it's just giving those other options that Artificer brings to the team as well as to Bell uh, that are pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty handy that you can do that because a lot of the other ones are just like, nope, that's what you got, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Artificer really kind of opens the door, especially for a wizard class, to give them a lot more options. So. I also like that it's not using power selfishly. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Artificer is that... Um, is that... Artificers, their spellcasting focus, which is what they use to um, to uh, to present and like manifest their magical abilities, are actually the tools that they use. So, like an alchemist uh, tinkerer might like quickly brew a little bit of a potion or alchemical effect and use those tools as their magical ability whereas an artillerist or a battlesmith um, might use little tinkering clockwork devices just come up with some little on the spot um, uh, little clockwork device and use that as uh, their ability um, their spell casting focus so it's always good to think about that when you are casting spells as an artillerist is that you can use the tool proficiencies that you have as your spell casting focus. Um, 
I'm gonna go ahead and look at uh, and not go through, but just kind of um, look at the uh, the spells that Bell could possibly have, but not go too in depth into them, uh, especially with the uh, multi-class into artificer uh the most important thing here is that uh a wizard gets uh learns four cantrips which are thing magical spells that you can do at will and the artificer uh at level two uh learns an additional two cantrips so that's uh, really helpful because yeah. it doesn't take up a spell, spell slot, right? Correct. It doesn't take up a spell slot. And if you were to follow the uh, progression of a level 8 wizard, you wouldn't have access to an additional two cantrips at level 8. Um, you have to wait until level... Uh, actually, uh, no level. You can only learn five cantrips uh, as a wizard. So... Being multi-classing into an artificer gives you more abilities to cast at-will spells. Um, and then the longer you progress in artificer, the more cantrips you learn. So that's a neat option. And then artificers prepare their first level spells every day. Um, so you can pick and choose which spells those are from the, uh, from the class spell list. Uh, as an abjuration wizard, you're going to want to try to pick up as many abjuration spells as possible. Um, so you're going to pick up those wards. You're going to pick up shield. Um, shield is going to be your most important one to to do. Uh, mage armor is a good one to pick up as an abjuration spell. Um, and uh, any of the higher level spells. Uh, I think uh, magic circle is another abjuration spell. Um but any of those uh, abjuration spells that you can pick up as an abjuration wizard, you will want to do. How would you know it's an abjuration spell? Um, so within the player's handbook, as well as on D&D Beyond, you can sort through the uh, sort through the spell list if you select abjuration spells. In the player's handbook, there should be a uh, a little section underneath the name of the spell it should say uh, this is a, a um, spell of this level and then next to it it says the school of magic oh, um, yeah so i just opened it up to a random space and i picked up wall of force and then underneath that it says fifth level spell and evocation so it is an a school of evocation uh spell uh of fifth level so those are going to be really important for for Bell, as as well as any sort of buff spells to help out the party are going to be very important. Um, the another good ones to have for abjuration or counter spell and dispel magic, um, and uh, stuff like remove curse would be a good one. Um, alarm is another good one. Uh, so. Anything that you can find that relates to abjuration are, are going to be good picks for Princess Bell. And I think that about covers it. So what do you think, Christina? 
What do I think about the character now that we're we've gone through every all eight levels, or just overall? Yeah. What do you think of the character that we built, um, and the experience of building Princess Belle? I think it would have been interesting to see what Squishy the artist had, so you can compare. Because I I think I like that part of. The podcast so that's definitely what got us first interested in this so i definitely yeah. i really yeah. i agree with that a lot yeah so, so i don't know if you want to like call her out and assuming she is we just throw the bill at her and say squishy yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and just say hey what do you think about this can you like, make something with this or it would be yeah. cool to get the um i mean the converse of the situation because usually you know she's already come out with something yeah and you're right. kind of comparing and so now you can be like well what do you think of us our thing and if you agree with it like draw what she would look like and instead of her just kind of drawing i don't know you know usually artists are right they already have something but anyway it would be it would be really cool to see if her concept of what we we talked about because yeah ooh, what if she even drew it as like D and the wizard and yeah and everything yeah and i don't know it'd be very cool anyway um i think that this process is so much easier than you know when you first approached me about well do you want to play D and I was like well I don't know I have no idea about it so now I know a little bit more but also when you came to me and you were like well you could do this or you could do this or you could do this and like all of the options at once are just so overwhelming to me yeah um I I think I touched on this at the beginning that having something in mind of, well, this is what I want the character to be, I think is a lot easier. And I think for me, it makes it see how much makes me see how much more doable it is to do with something else. Not just like, Oh, I want to make this Disney princess. But if I was like, well, you know, I want my character to look like this and have these attributes better able to know like what all of, the options are and know that it's easier to kind of just narrow down the choices once you have something in your head instead of like right. all of the options about every single thing that you could pick it, it 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 is a lot and it it can be overwhelming yeah so i think it makes it seem more doable and just kind of exciting that something that you've seen whether it be in a fairy tale or a Disney cartoon or the live action can also be translated into this game that's been around for a while. And like, you can put your own spin on it. Yeah. And maybe things that you haven't loved about a certain character, you can change a little bit and tweak to be more to your liking. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to be able to play as one of your favorite characters and build that collaborative story. Uh, in a campaign setting as well. Yeah, and be able to, to play with your friends too. And mm-hmm. I think it would be fun if we actually did do a play with all the princesses and yeah. get them together. Because I mean, I think one of my favorite parts about um, Wreck It Ralph is when they have like all the princesses together oh, yeah. and they're yes. like talking about, you know, their yeah. little sassy quips. Yeah. Um, but you don't usually see the princesses all together so it's you know princesses together in a different context in the D world yeah i think would definitely you know, be fun and what would the princess's goal be yeah who knows right <laughs> how would they actually interact yeah 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you for your support and all of your insights into Princess Belle. Um, yeah, thanks for asking me to join and, and knowing that I like Belle, even though I'm not uh, an expert, but just still being able to share. Lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, you can go ahead and check us out on Twitter at MIPlayable as well as our Twitch channel, also MIPlayable. If you want to find our subreddit at MIPlayable. And our YouTube channel is also at MIPlayable. <laughs> so thank you so much for... Uh, for listening and uh, you know give us some some follows on Twitter and on uh, Twitch and uh, subscribe so you don't miss our uh, Tales of Assyria com campaign setting videos that are launching on YouTube and let them know if you actually played these characters and what you thought about it yeah absolutely feedback is most welcome um, to anything that we do so you all have a very good night. Please stay healthy and safe out there and uh, take care of yourselves physically and mentally as much as you can. And Drink lots of water. Yeah, drink lots of water as Christina always likes to tell me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, thank you, everyone. Yep, play on.